What's up, what's up, everybody? Michael Johnson here with the Business Choreography Podcast. I'm excited that you joined me today because today we have a very, very special guest. Today we have Jeremy Enns. Jeremy is the founder of Podcast Marketing Academy, where he teaches brands and creators how to hit their next growth milestones with detailed step-by-step marketing playbooks. He's originally from the cold, barren Canadian prairies, but has been traveling full-time for the past seven years, and we are lucky to get him on our show today and share with you his wisdom and experience. Guys, let's cue the intro, and we'll jump right in. Listen, there's a lot to learn when growing and scaling your business. That's why we created the Business Choreography Podcast, where we talk about choreographing your marketing, operations, and sales into dynamic systems that increase your revenue and your impact. We'll explore solid business principles and discuss all things that make businesses dance to success with clarity. We'll help you figure out where the holes are in your business and what you can do to fix them. Think of us as your official business choreographers, aka your insider growth strategists. Remember, your choreography matters. Welcome to the Business Choreography Podcast. Jeremy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's a pleasure to have you here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Michael. I'm excited to chat. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, uh, as we talked a little beforehand, uh, it's never a, a straight line journey being an entrepreneur and being a business owner. And uh, I love to be able to dig in to start with on your backstory, where you came from, how you got here and how you got to the point where you're doing these incredible things that you're doing now. We'll get to that along the way, but share with us your journey. Yeah, so uh, I can actually trace it back to a individual moment. I think that entirely kind of changed my life trajectory forever, which uh, was in, of all places, home economics class in <laughs> middle school, grade grade seven, grade eight, something like that. A little bit surprising, maybe I don't, uh, you know, I'm not doing any like cooking or, or sewing or anything like that with my business <laughs> now, but it was actually, we were, I, I think, I can't remember what we were, we were in the, the sewing section of the class. So we had the, sure. the cooking and the, and the sewing and my friend Tyler, was beside me we were working on whatever we were making and he put on uh this album we had this like little discman or something like that and he put on uh metallica's snm album which was metallica yes. with the live symphony orchestra love and that. i had never heard never heard anything like this music before i had like listened to i didn't really have a developed music taste or anything but i heard this and i was like immediately hooked and just like i had never been about, about any music before and ultimately that led me to get into guitar to start playing in bands and ultimately <laughs> that led me to to audio school which you know i realized like i wanted to be a rock star for a while but kind of realized like okay well maybe that maybe that's not a real job i, I, don't, I don't know if i can can make that work uh, i did play in bands for a while uh, in and after high school School, but when I came across this audio engineering and record production, I was like, oh, that's that's like a legitimate job. Like that's something that, you know, I could go to school for, I could get a job <laughs> after this. So I ended up going to, to audio engineering school uh, in Vancouver, Canada, and uh, kind of went through that and came out and did some interning at some big studios. Ultimately realized, you know, the music industry is not the best industry to be making a living at uh, these days. But a couple of years later, uh, after I was had kind of finished off, I was just working on, you know, music stuff for fun, working odd jobs here and there. I discovered podcasting as a listener and very quickly realized that all those audio engineering skills, I was basically vastly overqualified in the podcast space, having worked in big studios and things like that. And so right. kind of from music to uh, record production and then into podcasting. And so that's where I kind of got my start in the, the podcast industry as an editor and then built up an agency and have now kind of transitioned into the marketing side of things and the, the strategy. Holy cow. I mean, 
that sounds like quite the journey. And and in your bio, you said that you've been traveling full time for the past seven years. Is that because you found your way into the online space? So you were able to just kind of keep moving and, and tell us a little bit about that and, and that choice to start moving around like that. Yeah, that was actually the the kind of impetus to what led me to discover online business. And so I had, uh, after I got out of audio engineering school, I kind of finished interning had become a little bit disenfranchised or, uh, or disillusioned maybe with that kind of career path. I right. just started working and saved up enough to, to take a year off and go traveling. And that had always been my dream. And so took a year off, went traveling and kind of came back and was kind of just like, how could I do more of that? And I was into photography at the time. And so I was thinking like, maybe I could do something with travel photography, something like that, but I didn't really know what the options were. And I had had a friend who he, he listened to podcasts. I think he listened to like comedy and sports podcasts, but I'd heard him talking about them. And I thought, well, maybe let's just check them out. And I didn't even know what to search. Uh, I think I searched something like creative business or something like that. Oh yeah. And you know, this was back in 2014, I believe, or 2015. And even back then, like there's, you know, a ton of shows on that content now but even back then there were probably several dozen and you know pat flynn was was one of those at the time and i think amy porterfield uh, john lee dumas and so there was a bunch of the that kind of like um i, I don't even want to say old school because they're still you know relevant and, and doing great work today right. as well but um some of the early adopters in the podcast space and so these were the first shows that i came across and realized that there's this whole world out there of people actually building businesses that were remote that you you know didn't need to be in a specific location and it took me a little while it took me maybe six months of experimenting i was first started off building a kind of photography business and blog before kind of realizing kind of putting two and two together that there's this service business opportunity where i could you know get clients way faster than i was going to be able to to build up an audience and so for me going in the end goal was always how can i build something that i can do from anywhere and so podcasting right. and and travel have kind of gone hand in hand the whole time oh man what a cool combination i want to dig a little bit into the idea behind podcasting and as you've sort of embraced that element of it especially coming from audio engineering um what is it about podcasting do you think that is so valuable i mean i know you you talk a lot about marketing and we're going to dig into that because i love that subject but what's what's so valuable about podcasting i mean obviously i'm running a podcast so i get it but for our audience and maybe for some of the listeners that haven't maybe delved into that side of things. Why podcasting? Yeah, I think it's changed a lot since even since I got into podcasting. I mean, it's kind of weird because I feel like when I got into it in, in 2015, it already felt like I was late. And then now it's, it's like we're realizing, oh, the wave is actually still coming. And yeah, there are a lot of shows now. It's a lot more crowded, but um, you know, it's still really developing as a medium. And so things have, have changed quite a bit in the past seven years that I've been been here. And when I first started, it was a really great kind of uh, listener audience acquisition channel. And so there was right. pretty good organic discovery still. A lot of my early clients, like they didn't do any marketing whatsoever, but they grow huge shows of, you know, tens of thousands of downloads an episode. And so there, there was certainly a gold rush kind of phase where you could start a show. It didn't need to be that great. You didn't need to market it that much. And you could just, you know, grow, especially if you were in a, right. you know, somewhat uh, not kind of 
oversaturated niche. Um, now, right. nowadays, most niches are very saturated. Uh, there's still way less than YouTube, way less than blogging, way right. less than, you know, any social media platform. So there's still lots of opportunity. Um, and then, you, you know, you, you always look at things like books and authors, like that is also yet yeah, people still find value in writing books and all these things. And so right. I think right now there's a lot of like panic around like, has, have I missed the boat? Um, is it too oversaturated to, to make a show that builds an audience? And I would say no, but I think that things have changed in the role of podcasting has changed as well. And so today, I think a lot of the value is not so much in a audience growth platform, but it kind of almost like a sales enablement channel where right. you're finding your audience elsewhere. But if you're funneling them back to the podcast, it's just one of the best platforms for actually turning an audience into customers or clients or whatever right. that end goal is for you. And of course, you can also supplement that with sponsors and things like that to add in more revenue to the business. But I think a lot of times, Today, people are looking at it still as if it was five years ago. And sometimes they, a lot of entrepreneurs I talk to have a coach who's like had an amazingly successful podcast, but they started five, six, seven years ago. And so the coach is telling them, you got to start a podcast. It's, you know, it's worked really well for me and my business, but things have just changed so much. And so usually when I'm talking with people today, it's, it's much more about like, okay, this is going to be a really valuable asset for your business, but it's going to take, you know, a couple of years for it to really start paying off. And when it does, it's going to be incredible, but right. it's also not going to grow on its own. And so you're going to need to still do all these other things that you're doing to get awareness. But then we're just trying to funnel them back to the podcast where they, you know, you nurture them through that content, which I don't think there's really any other uh, kind of medium or platform that does it quite as well as podcasting. I think writing's really hard to kind of get the nuance and depth and personality across video for it to be successful. You usually has to be like really highly edited, highly produced, which not everybody has the, the technical capabilities for. And also you kind of miss out on some of the, the depth of conversations that podcasting is so great at. And so I think when it comes to, especially people selling a high ticket service or something like that, podcasting is a really, really valuable part of that kind of marketing ecosystem. Oh yeah, for sure. Talk to us a little bit about the difference now in, in customer acquisition from podcasts compared to even five years ago. Cause I, I agree it's changed massively now and to get an audience for your podcast, I mean, you're, you're, you're definitely having to compete a lot more, just like you said. So what, what is that, that big difference in customer acquisition, uh, from a podcast from, from before? Yeah, I'm not actually sure what uh, it's so one of the challenges with podcasting is it's so hard to get good data from it, um, right. because it's this kind of distributed uh, ecosystem where there's no one central platform, like, you know, YouTube, let's say, where you just all your data is right there. We've got right. Apple, we've got Google, we've got Spotify, we've got dozens of other platforms, and they don't all talk to each other. And let alone being able to track clicks through to product sales and things like that. And there's a lot you can do to kind of piece that together. Um, but that's kind of getting really into the weeds. But I think when it comes to customer acquisition, I was actually just talking to somebody last week and she was talking about, I would love to, if anybody has this data for your show, uh, please send it to me. Cause I'm always looking to <laughs> compile more like kind of uh, broad industry data sure. points to be able to piece together a story. But I was talking to a woman where she was able to track that her typical uh, customer acquisition funnel that she has set up converts at around two and a half percent, which is pretty, you know, standard benchmark for a lot of, of types of funnels uh, out there in online marketing. But she was able to track that the podcast people who came from the podcast converted at 5%. So double the amount from people who didn't 
interact with the podcast, which is wow. a pretty, you know, stark contrast there. And it, you know, it sounds on, on the one that's like, oh, two and a half percent difference between those two. It's not that much. But when you think about like, oh, that's double twice as many people right. who listen to the podcast convert, <clears throat> then that feels like, oh, I need to get as many people into the podcast as possible. And like, sure. if I have a list of, you know, 10,000 people on my email list, and only 300 people are listening to the podcast, like, I need to make it a priority to like push all the people from my email list onto the podcast because that's going to ultimately lead to way more sales in the future. And so right. I think for me, like working with people, a lot of times they sometimes come in thinking like, okay, I want to grow the podcast. And yeah, we, we do want to do that. But they think like, well, I need to get the podcast out in front of more people. And a lot of times it's actually like, actually the lowest hanging fruit here is to start with your existing audience who already knows you and trusts you to some extent and get them listening because that's just going to accelerate that kind of no like and trust factor. Um, and then, you know, when you hit them with the pitch, whether that's through the podcast or through email, they're much more likely to, to take you up on it. Yeah. I love that. I love the, the, the clear focus that you've described it's it's uh, so important and i feel like you know we've we've run multiple podcasts this is i think our third uh, along the way and um and we enjoy it because we feel like it's a way to serve and i feel like as i talk to a lot of entrepreneurs they're looking for ways to serve and give back without feeling salesy and mm -hmm. so i i always suggest well why don't you do a podcast and they're like oh but and i'm like well you, you you just said you didn't want to be salesy well when people can see this when people can engage with you and understand that uh how you work how you operate the things you talk about the things that you get excited about there's just so much connection there and oftentimes we find that people come to us because of it mm -hmm. and we're not actually having to be salesy at all it's just Oh, I saw you on your podcast. Oh, I saw you interview so-and-so. I saw you on another podcast guesting and you gave us this great framework and it was awesome. And these things build up so much know, like, and trust, which we all know is so valuable. And I think that's, that's super great. I want to talk a little bit about, just for a moment, because I'm a nerd about it, uh, I want to talk about the audio engineering side of it and mm -hmm. the impact that's made because as our listeners can probably hear right now, your audio is incredible. So good. <laughs> and, and it sounds so good. Your voice sounds great. And, uh, and I'd like to talk about the importance of that. I know in the very early stages of podcasting, it was all about like, everybody was like, well, you got to have a great mic and a great system. And then it felt like it sort of trailed off and it was like, Hey, you can record it on your phone in your car. And, and so where do you think the balance is and what do you feel like is uh, important for those people that are maybe getting started or even maybe someone like me, that's a nerd and wants to like really hone in and make my sound really great. Yeah. So I, I think it's, you're right. I think like a lot of early podcasting was like a very techie type crowd who probably really right. liked a lot of that stuff. <clears throat> and then as there was this push into I think the, the overall industry was kind of like looking to bring more people in and right. say like, hey, we don't just want to be a bunch of like tech nerds here talking about, you know, tech podcasts. <laughs> like there's more to podcasting than that. And yeah. so more people were getting in, but there was all these technical hurdles. And so I think a lot of the narrative was kind of like, well, you don't need that to get started. But I think, which was true, and certainly you don't need to spend, you know, thousands of dollars or anything like that. Um, for a couple hundred dollars, you can get a great setup. But I think now the challenge is as podcasting is more crowded, like, people do make decisions based on 
you know, the, their first impression of the show. And so right. whether that is your cover art and so maybe your artwork, if that's, you know, really great, that's kind of like one, you know, positive signal to somebody. So they click through and they're like, oh, the description looks good. Oh, the episodes, I see something I'm interested. I click play. But if the first thing I hear is there's feedback, there's echo, it, it doesn't feel highly produced. Now, all of a sudden I'm starting to doubt like, well, is this that good? Like if it was that good, they probably would have invested in better equipment and better production. Right. And we, the content might be great. And people love to talk about, you know, it, it does, especially in podcasting, it was always about like, you know, content is king. We hear that everywhere and people apply it in different ways. And so in <laughs> podcasting, it was like the content matters more than the audio quality, which okay, maybe if you can get somebody to listen through the content, but if you lose people in the first two minutes or minute because they hear that the audio is bad and they assume, well, if they didn't put the effort into this, I'm guessing they didn't put the effort into the content either, which right. is a natural inclination, then I think you're, you're doing yourself a disservice and you are certainly losing a lot of people. And so I would say it doesn't need to be amazing, but it needs to be good enough not to turn people off or make right. them question whether or not this is a serious show. Of and course. so- you can do that with, you know, like I said, there's, you can spend less than a couple hundred bucks. Even there's some great mics for like $50, $60 that will, will do a great job. And then the other like really exciting thing right now is there's a lot of AI tools that are coming out that are doing just like absolutely incredible things with turning low medium to low quality audio into sounding like it was recorded in an NPR studio. And so wow. the one that I've been like playing around with a little bit right now it doesn't really do that much for me because I already have a pretty good mic. And so it, it doesn't actually improve it very much. Sure. Um, but it's uh, Adobe's uh, Adobe podcast tool. And so they, it's as of this recording, it's currently in beta, but they've released some free tools. And so I think the one they have, it's called something like enhance, enhance voice or something like that, or voice enhance. And I think you can find it. It's like podcast.adobe.com or something like that. If you look up Adobe podcast, you'll find sure. it and you can just upload a piece of audio, just record, you know, what I'll often do to, to show it off or test it when I do a workshop on, on some of the AI tools and things like that is I'll, you know, specifically record kind of crappy sounding audio. And so I'll do it through my computer mic. I'll stand way back from, from it, like a, a few feet away. So I'm not like right up close to the mic, which is, would usually make it sound better. I'll be in a room that's kind of echoey and you upload it there and then, you know, it works its magic and it spits out the finished file and it is just night and day. And they have some examples on the website too. So, wow. um, even if you don't have the tech, the gear, uh, there are tools coming out that, um, you don't really need that so much anymore. And so it really is becoming more accessible to everyone. Right. I love that. And that's, and I hope that's a, an indication to all of you listening, if you don't have a podcast and if it's something that you've thought about in the past, like I know that jumping in and, and using it, if you're a newer business, you can use it to help find your voice, get used to speaking about the stuff that's most important to you. I think it's really great. And, and like Jeremy's saying, there's just so many cool tools um, that you can use to make it easier uh, to enter in. And earlier you said something, Jeremy, that really stood out to me. And it was, it was that even now, if you're using it just as a means by which to get your message across and, and feed your own people back to it, it's such a cool tool. Uh, and, and I want to use that as sort of the springboard to jump into some of the marketing stuff that you do and teach you, you have, uh, the podcast marketing Academy, and I want to know more about it. I want to know more about what you do and what you're teaching in it and what you're sharing with everybody, because I think that's a good segue into, into that portion. Yeah. So it, uh, it kind of came about. So I, like I mentioned before, I uh, built a, a podcast production agency and still have that going, but we just have essentially a few clients from 
you know, years past that we're kind of still continuing to serve, but are not really looking to bring on new production clients anymore. We've kind of pivoted to the strategy and marketing side of things. And right. uh, in back in 20, I would say 2018, 2019, I was noticing this trend where, you know, we had new clients who were coming on who were just not seeing the initial traction and growth that all of our old clients had. And right. so it became clear to me, like something's different here. Like, you know, we're producing these shows. And so the, the production quality is all the same on all of them, but some of our clients are doing really well and some of them are really struggling, like what's going on here. And so I essentially just started doing customer interviews and then broader interviews within podcasting and just trying to, to suss out like, okay, what are the people who are having a lot of success doing? And what are the people who are struggling doing? And one of the things was that some people who were having a lot of success just started at a good time. They started back <laughs> in 2015 or 2016 and they, they got that kind of early mover advantage. But sure. it, there were also a number of other trends that showed up. And so basically those interviews basically wrote the curriculum for the initial podcast marketing academy. And so it's uh, kind of evolved over the years. And so initially it was a, a self-paced course. Now there is a kind of self-paced course that's nested within a membership um, that involves a lot of like group coaching with me. And so a lot of it is like, yeah, there's the self-paced curriculum, but there's also a lot of uh, room and, and an opportunity to kind of like hash stuff out because, uh, you know, with, with so much of marketing, like you can take the templates and the frameworks and everything, but they need to be so customized to your business for them to actually work. There's very few things that just like work off the shelf and you just plug it in with no effort and it works for you. And so that's one of the things where I created the membership to be more of a interactive space where we can say like, okay, I want to try this out. How should I best apply this to my show? And so there's that kind of side of things. And then there's also a live uh, cohort based course, uh, which is a six week kind of sprint where it's for shows who have less than a thousand downloads an episode and are looking to like get everything in place, kind of overhaul their marketing uh, foundation to get to that point where now they're going to start seeing a lot more um, kind of success from their marketing efforts and just a lot more efficiency of like when they're getting their show out there, it's resonating with people, it's clicking, they've got their messaging in place uh, and their show is, there's a better hook to it. A lot of times that's a, a big issue with people, their positioning is locked in. So a lot of the kind of marketing fundamentals that most people skip at the start. And uh, I know I've certainly done this for almost every business I ever started, skipped all that <laughs> stuff, struggled for, you know, a year or two, and then realized like, oh yeah, all that stuff that I know I should be doing, you go back and do that. And all of a sudden everything works out a lot better. Right. And so uh, we actually just, just kicked off the latest cohort, uh, the seventh cohort of that um, this wow. week as we're doing this interview and uh, so run that twice a year right now. That's cool. That is very cool. Uh, I want to know you, you, you mentioned this in passing and I'm so intrigued and I'm wondering if we can maybe pry it out of you to share a few of the trends that you were talking about earlier, just maybe a few of them for maybe some of the listeners that have a podcast that, that are doing it now. What are some of the trends that can help to make their podcast more successful? Yeah. So I think that the big one is just like a focus on differentiation. And I, I'm a huge, like there's of all the topics of marketing, I, think I obsess the most over differentiation and hand in hand with that is messaging. Cause like one, you know, it's one thing to create something that is compellingly differentiated, but then you need to know how to talk about it as well. And so in podcasting that can, that can be just like narrowing down for a very specific niche, either like topic or audience. Um, and so that's certainly, you know, the traditional way a lot of people think about that. That's one way to do it. But I think where Podcasting is a little bit different from a lot of other marketing. And I, I think other marketing is going this way as well in terms of newsletters and YouTube as well. But like there is, you almost have to bring this mindset of being like a TV executive that like shows have to have a premise or like a unique concept to them 
that you can like talk about that and you, the way in your like one pitch sentence or your one sentence pitch of the show, people like get what the show is about, they get the experience and they, they also understand what makes it unique. And so I think a lot of that is not something that is really present in a lot of other marketing education because it's thinking about like creating a show, creating an experience, which is a very different thing than just like writing content articles or blog articles. There has to be this more unifying kind of theme to it a lot of times. And not every show doesn't need that, but shows that have that just have a way easier time of growing because there's a clear hook to it. And so there's a, a few examples that I think of that one of the, the biggest shows, this is a YouTube show. Um, I don't, they probably actually do release them on, um, on podcasts as well, but is the show Hot Ones. And so I don't know if you've ever come across this one before, but millions and millions of, of followers on YouTube. But essentially, it's a celebrity interview show. And so, you know, there are many, many celebrity interview shows. Anybody who's been on this this uh, uh, YouTube show, you've seen them interviewed before. It's like the A-list celebrities, essentially. And so they've given, you know, hundreds, thousands of interviews throughout, throughout their career. And it feels like a pretty challenging type of topic to do anything original or new in and get people to pay attention to your version of it. And so this, th there's a bit of a gimmick to this show. It's not that I would recommend doing this for every show, but essentially what they do, they have something like, uh, it's probably like they ask eight questions or something like that. And for each question, they eat uh, the host and the guest, a progressively spicier hot wing. <laughs> and so by the time the, the end, like the first ones are like pretty mild, pretty enjoyable, but by the end, they're like, you know, sweating, they're like, can barely talk and answer. And so there's this really compelling hook to the show where you just hear the premise and you're like, I got to check that out. And you, you know, cause you see these celebrities in this really uncomfortable position of struggling through eating these hot wings where they can barely think and answer the questions. And so it kind of gets them off script. And the, the host, uh, Sean Evans, he's a great interviewer as well. Like he, he does his research and he has some great questions, but part of it is just this whole premise of the show is entirely novel and unique and you've never seen anything like it before. And so this is, is one like example, kind of an extreme example of a really interesting show premise that separates that from other shows. And another one that might be more relevant to like a business context, there's uh, another one called Three Books. And so this is a podcast and essentially they uh, interview Neil, the, the host, uh, interviews well, he interviews a wide variety of people, but essentially it's uh, authors are the, the main kind of um, demographic that he has on uh, his as, as his guest list. But he also interviews like some random people as well and uh, brings them on kind of high performer types. And you've heard a lot of these people as well on a podcast. And so it feels like a lot of the same crowd who might be on, you know, Tim Ferriss or, you know, any of these other shows that are almost impossible to compete with that. Like there are so many Tim Ferriss copycat shows out there that will never be as successful as that, because if you wanted that, you would just listen to Tim Ferriss. And so what Neil has done is take a really interesting approach to his premise, where instead of just asking, you know, a broad, long ranging uh, interview to these people, uh, he sets up the interview where the, the whole point is to uncover the three books that have been most impactful and influential on this person. And so there's this really kind of narrow lens that the interview is all kind of filtered through. It's all about the books that, you know, these are authors mainly, and he's a writer himself. And so like, what are the books that have been most impactful or influential in your career? And so this kind of immediately, you know, you're going to get a very different interview from any interview that this person's ever given before, because it's filtered through these very specific set of questions. But what's interesting about it is that through like, especially with books, there's such a I think the things we read say a lot about us and especially the things that have had an impact on us. So immediately, you know, you're going to get interesting stories just by virtue of this premise, you know, that like, okay, three 
impactful, influential books, like clearly that is suggesting that these books have changed that person in some way. And so we know there's going to be stories about that. There's like before and after moments just built into this premise. And they're like three, it's such an easy show to create, like the pre the hard work is developing the premise. But then after that, he just gets to talk about these books is the same questions every time. But what comes out of these, these three simple questions is, you know, very unique stories to that person, they are an, an insight or a window into that person's life. And so you're still going to talk about their work and their backstory and all these things, but it's all funneled back through these kind of three questions. And so that's another example of like a, a really hooky kind of interesting premise that immediately, you know, oh, there's no other show like that. I've never heard of anything like that. And that sounds like a really interesting method to explore somebody's life in a way that I haven't heard. You know, even if I've heard 50 interviews with this guest before, I've probably never heard them talk about the things that will come up in this interview. And so those are some examples of, I think, not necessarily what's required uh, to have a successful show today, but they certainly makes growth a whole lot easier when you have something like that, that people can immediately like you, you tell them about and they get it and they're like, oh, wow, that's that's really unique and really original. I love that. I think that's such a, a valuable point of view. And I want to flip the script and talk about the other side of the end of the stick. So you got some people that are looking at it and going, okay, but you said that I should start a podcast and that sounds ridiculously hard. And I don't know that I really want to compete with any of those big, you know, entrepreneurs on fire, Tim Ferriss type podcasts. Yep. What are the reasons to create a podcast if you're not looking to have that type of success? Yeah, I mean, I think that one of the great things about podcasting, and this is true for a lot of content channels, it's usually, you know, different, but um, I always like to think about like, what are the secondary benefits that I'm going to get of doing something? And so whether it's, you know, for me, I do a lot of writing right now, I've done several shows in the past. Um, but I always like to think about like, how can I construct this in a way that it will be meaningful and valuable to me, even if I never get a single listener to it. And so with podcasting, one of the great things is that especially if you do an interview show, I know s several people who they literally don't care if anybody ever listens because for them it's about getting to talk with people who they might not have a chance to otherwise. And the bigger your audience, the more people you can kind of get in touch with. You can kind of leverage that audience to get bigger and bigger guests. But a lot of times you don't need that. And it's it, for in, when it comes to expanding your network, like this is, you know, I think we all know that if we are able to grow our networks, you know, that's going to be one of the most valuable investments we can make in our businesses. And so some people uh, use their shows almost as like a lead acquisition where like the guests are the people who they're some some people have been on some shows that do a, a harder pitch to the guests than others and right. i've had people like this was you know a, a low level part of my strategy when i did uh, my last show where i did get clients from it and i didn't really do any pitch whatsoever for me it was just like we're going to start a relationship and what was actually funny is several guests uh, i realized i probably could have been more explicit about like what i actually did <laughs> I, I didn't want to put that push that on them but they right. asked at the end they were like wait so you do podcasting stuff right like can you can you tell me more about that because i'm thinking about starting a show <laughs> or I have a show and I'm looking to, you know, outsource stuff. And so like, that's certainly a benefit that can come from it. And I know plenty of people who have like very large audiences and who do very well through like online course sales and things like that, who have said that they've gotten way more value out of the guests they've had on their show, often unintentionally than through their audience that they've built through it. And so I think that that's just like looking at it from a relationship standpoint. That's actually one of the things that as I've been more focused on writing over the past two years or so, um, I've actually been missing that. And I've been there, there's part of me has been thinking about I want to write a book one day. And so I, I, I write two newsletters right now, and I probably will do their separate kind of topics. One's on more general kind of creative work and the other specifically on podcasting. And I probably want to write books about both of them. And part of me is thinking like, oh, this is great for being able to 
uh, kind of get the clarity around like what my thinking is around this, but I would love to hear like what's other people's experiences with these ideas I'm having. Like, am I just, you know, the weird one where like, this is how it looks to me, but you know, if I put that out in the world, nobody else experiences it this way, or there's more nuance out there. And so a lot of people I think who are, you know, thinking about becoming authors at some point, a podcast is a great way to start putting your ideas out there and getting, you know, other feedback from other people and talking through these things in more depth to be able to flesh that out. And then you can like pull those, um, you know, stories for the book when it comes around. So a lot of people will approach a show that way as well. And so I think there's a lot, depending on what your business model is, there is a lot of uh, kind of potential for side benefits aside from audience growth that can just be like built into the process where it doesn't really matter if it gains traction initially, You're, you can start, you know, but from your first interview that you do, you're already growing your network, building new relationships, getting new stories, maybe for that book someday or whatever that is. And so I, I really encourage people to think about like, okay, audience growth, more sales. That's one thing that I, you know, I would certainly like to work towards, but like, how else can I build into my process and build into the, the show that I'm creating, um, some way for this to be valuable even if that stuff takes a while to materialize. I love this. That's so great. I want to know more about how people can come and work with you. Like talk to us a little bit about that. How can they connect? Cause I am sure you're inspiring some people listening like, Holy cow. Yeah. I think I could do this. How does that look? What does it look like to get in and, and work with you and where can they find you? Yeah, so I uh, typically work with people who have been producing their shows for a year or more. And so usually I do work with some people who are just starting out on that kind of like concept um, kind of development. And so that, that, that idea of talking around like the, the hot ones and the three books type thing, that's one of my favorite parts of the process is, is helping people develop stronger, more cohesive uh, types of premises around their shows. And so cool. if that's something you're looking for help with, um, you can certainly reach out and we can talk about that. But uh, most, most of the people I work with are on that, that kind of side of things where they've like been producing their show for a year, two years, three years, and are stuck at that plateau and are just kind of wondering like, you know, is this, should I keep doing this or should I just quit? And a lot of times they're kind of like, okay, no, I'm going to give it one last shot. I'm going to do it right. And otherwise, you know, I have to focus my time somewhere else. So right. if that's, uh, you know, kind of where you're, you're feeling that you might be at right now, uh, I would love to chat more. Uh, one of the easiest ways to kind of just uh, get a little bit of a window into my ecosystem is I have a free podcast marketing audit. And so essentially you, it's a two minute kind of quiz, you answer 20 questions and it gives you a um, breakdown of the, the kind of four elements of your podcast marketing system that uh, I feel are most important for shows to, to have in place to be successful. And so you answer those questions, you get a personalized report, and then there's a bunch of follow-up content on how to start leveling that up. And so uh, you can find that and all my contact information at podcastmarketingacademy.com slash choreography. And uh, I think you've actually also got the audit is also, it has its own link as well, but you can find awesome. it all at both of those places. That's great. Wow. What a cool resource. And, uh, you guys got to go take advantage of that and and utilize it because uh, these are great opportunities to use and take advantage of Jeremy's experience and his uh, breadth of knowledge along this journey. And guys, he just created this incredible resource for you. You got to go check it out. Podcastmarketingacademy.com slash audit or choreography. I think you did. Uh, both yep. of them will get you to the same place. And uh and you can check it out. It'll be incredible. I'm sure it's going to be valuable. Uh, I'm so privileged to have you on the show today. I'm so excited that you came and shared with us uh, your journey and uh, some great tips and some great uh, stuff for us to implement and or get started on in, in some instances. 
uh, before we wrap up, do you have any last words for our audience that, uh, that we can leave them with on their journey? I mean, the thing I always just keep coming back to is like business, all this kind of stuff is such a long game. I think we get so kind of myopic and thinking like, well, we need to hit this target by this date or whatever. And I, for me, it's been very freeing to think about like, okay, if I'm doing something I actually care about, something I actually enjoy, like I'm not looking for the finish line. Like I, the, the reward is getting to do this longer. And so for me, it's all about like, how do I, you know, create a podcast, create a business where I actually enjoy the day to day. And it kind of becomes inevitable that I'm going to be successful in the long run. Like if I, if I can do the right things and enjoy the process on a day to day basis. Like I know, like the more time I put into this, the more good things are going to happen. And as long as I'm, you know, um, paying the bills, able to like cover expenses and things like that, like I'm in no rush to get there. And so I think that that to me has been a really freeing mindset over the past couple of years to like, think more about like, how am I actually shaping my days and the things that I'm working on pruning the things that aren't energizing me, uh, and focusing more on the, there's always things like, you know, there's so many ways to market and grow a business and services to offer and all these things. Like there are enough options that we can find things that we actually enjoy and give us energy. And if we kind of focus on, you know, optimizing those things and saying no to everything else, I think that just creates a, a much uh, healthier business, both for us, but also in terms of the, the success of the business as well. And so uh, I think that's, that's something that uh, I always like to, to remind people of, because it can be, as you've mentioned before, it can be a slog. There are uh, difficult moments in the journey, but uh, I think it's worth, worth thinking about, like, it doesn't all need to happen now. Um, we've got, got lots of time ahead of us and uh, <laughs> hopefully we're going to enjoy that. I love it. That is great advice. Guys, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Jeremy, thank you so much for joining us on the show. And do not forget, you got to work on your choreography every day. No slacking. Get working on your business choreography. We'll see you guys on the next episode. Take care. Thanks for joining us today. Want more business choreography? Check out our website at bizchoreo.com to find out more. And find out how the choreography for your marketing operations and sales can raise your revenue and create more impact. Remember, every business needs choreography.